Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're back. Hey, happy Monday, everyone. I know this is sometimes the most stressful day of the week for a lot of people, but it doesn't have to be. Just ask Zoe. That was fun this morning. Yeah, Zoe tried to kill Julie this morning, evidently. I only yep. heard the, the, the screams and the wails and the warrior cries coming from our seven-and-a-half-year-old from an office exactly. with two doors closed. She had the Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're like Zoe and you had the Mondays, uh, hopefully today's podcast will help you around the bend and really set yourself, set yourself up to have a fantastic week. Uh, Julie actually uh, found this topic. She worked on this Sunday morning. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing her present this because honestly, guys, this is new to me and this is new to all of you. And uh, it'll be interesting. But before we get to that, I want to, um, we mentioned this last week, but I really want to see this again. For all of you guys who went out of your way to wish Julie and I a very happy 30th wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. we sincerely appreciate it. It was very kind of you. And um, I forgot to check on Instagram, I forgot to check on some other things. And when I started popping around, and uh, realized how many of you went out of your way to really say nice things. Uh, I apologize if we didn't mention that on our actual anniversary, which was five days ago. But in any event, thank you very much. It was a um, very important date for us, and it was very, uh, I think, reflective and contemplative and all the rest of it. But it was great. We had fun. Yes. And, and we I, had a really nice dinner. Can we tell them about the dinner? Uh, that's right. And even on our 30th wedding anniversary dinner on a Saturday evening, we well, ended up talking about real estate. But let's let's set it up. Yes. So about a year ago, was it? No, it wasn't. Wasn't it earlier this year? Yeah, it was. I, we I went think that it was maybe restaurant. Valentine's Day or something. Right. For those of you who live in Dorado, you know about COA, COA. So we went to COA about a year ago. Yeah, I think it was Valentine's Day. And we were celebrating something. And um, the waiter there was really nice, and we had a really great time, and it was just a fantastic experience. And we gave him a really big tip. We basically, what the bill was, we just doubled it, right? And he was just beside himself when that happened. And I guess, as the story goes, that may have been a time when he was relating the money or whatever, because it was an unexpectedly um, gratuitous show of appreciation on our direction for. Um, a tip. And Julie and I are always big tippers. Why? Because Julie and I, you know, I used to work in restaurants. I was a bus buy. I used to work in a kitchen. I used to do all of that work. And for people that, especially when you're really, really good in front of people, dealing with people's mm-hmm. stress and their expectations and all the different personality styles and do it at a high level consistently, you deserve to be paid well for that. That's something um, I think a lot of people just assume that that type of work is something anyone can do. It's absolutely not true. It's omnipresent, constant stress because you have to perform for the audience as in your customers or you're not going to get much of a tip. Well, anyway, he does such a phenomenal job when we went there originally. We rewarded him for his great job. And then we go back to this place on Saturday night. And while we're there Saturday night, um, you know, sure enough, he remembers us. We were assigned originally to a different part of the restaurant and a different uh, wait, uh, waiter. Um, and he, you know, switched with her and, and we ended up working with him again. So he then, again, shows says how much he appreciated the tip last time and all the rest of it and was very nice and starts telling us what he's been up to because we were asking him. 
His, what's his name again? Jordan. Jordan, that's right. And so Jordan was telling us what he's been up to, and, and uh, he mentioned that he had gotten a real estate license. <laughs> yes. And then he didn't have any clue uh, what Julie and I do for a living. Like, he did not uh, no, know he us. he knew us from, like, one dinner months ago. One dinner and a good tip. That's what he yeah. knows for. He did Google us. He didn't know about us, anything in any way. So he just starts telling us about how he's in this real estate career, got his license, and he's already done three real estate transactions since we saw him, which was not even a year ago. And uh, the whole thing. And then, of course, I started having a conversation with him at, about EXP Realty and about coaching and training. And sure enough, he's going to round the bend and he's going to um, join probably with at least uh, with uh, EXP Realty with us. But it was just a fascinating experience that goes into the category of what, how much it really matters to know how to afford people because that's what he was doing, but he wasn't yes. thinking about it. You know, family, occupation, recreation, dreams. That's just his natural behavior or conversational style that he learned from being in the service and doing service work Working as a waiter. People, and it was phenomenal. And opening his mouth and having confidence. And I, I have to say that, I mean, he does his waiter job extremely well. Sure. You know, educating you on all of your options and different wines and different steaks. And, you know, more so than just, you know, you can order a steak or not order a steak. He has a great presentation style. He's confident. Uh, he has his information down, and that's going to really serve him well in real estate because he had no issue bringing up real estate. He was nope. in no way that, that a, a secret part, right? agent. It was great. I was yeah. so proud of him. He felt comfortable enough with us that, I mean, when he started telling us what he's been up to, and he didn't lead with that, right? I mean, nope. we had to ask him. He was asking about us. I, it he just, asked about family. Yeah, he exactly. asked about, you know, where you've been, how things were in COVID, all that stuff. He was forwarding us, like, so naturally. It was fantastic. Yeah, and then he started telling us about the real estate thing. That's how it sort of just one thing led to another. Yeah. But the moral of the story was, is he will be very successful selling Definitely. real estate. And some of the most successful people who do sell real estate come from service jobs just mm -hmm. like that. Uh, I this was ancient information, but I remember there was some kind of survey done. What did you do prior to real estate? And most of the most successful people, at least most successful in the first 24 months, were all coming from service jobs. Some of them were teachers. That's kind of that is a service job in essence, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. A of lot of more hospitality. A lot of people that worked mm -hmm. in airlines. Anybody yes. that had a lot of direct to consumer experience, yeah, who, experience who had a you know a thick skin to different you know just whatever's they're just focusing on being a, doing a great job of service they always have an unfair advantage uh, when they get into real estate because they're already they already have a tolerance to dealing with all the nuanced approaches you have to take to all kinds of different mm -hmm. you know people and all their different emotional states yes and i think because they have that experience and they've have had to work through it to be good at their job mm -hmm. They have let go of anything like resistance to conversation or ego reactions. And I think they're more versatile. I think they have the ability to deal with a lot of different types of personalities and situations. You know, I mean, I remember working in retail and you would have people that were really, really nice. Then you have people that were really obnoxious. Same thing, I'm sure, with restaurants, hospitality, even yep. the airlines, stuff like that. So after you gain some of that, that adds to your confidence. Knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. And so it was so uh, refreshing to see someone. He, he can't be more than 25. And he said he's 29. Is he 29? Yeah. And yeah. so for the, anyway, I, I we're just sharing this experience with you because it was just sort of a, a, a reminder how like the next generation, the millennials that are coming up, there are definitely are millennials up there, out there that are going to absolutely blow uh, the old generation away because yes. they are, they're coming up with a higher level of comfort with, you know, 
obviously uh, technology and whatnot, but if you can intertwine good old fashioned ability to communicate like Jordan does, then you've got a combination of things that the, uh, it really does. I said unfair advantage in the marketplace mm -hmm. a second ago, but that's truly what it is. Because most people that don't have backgrounds like that, they might know how to, you know, do technical or, you know, online digital type stuff, but they're not going to have that direct people no. experience. And the direct people experience is what matters because the other thing is uh, almost fungible. In other words, the digital aspect that a lot of you guys overinvest your time in, that is easily replaced. There's not very many ways you can actually differentiate yourself in the marketplace because everyone basically does the same thing. And so it all looks and feels the same way. All the different social stuff you guys do to try to build your brand, it basically at the end of the day is it's indistinguishable from a thousand other agents doing the exact same thing. The things that makes the difference ultimately is your ability to communicate in person with people. And that's a skill set that you do often have to learn and all of you can learn it. And once you do learn it, by the way, you'll start seeing sometimes that the other stuff really wasn't necessary in the first place because you can e so easily generate leads. I mean, we got a spreadsheet for one of your coaching clients, Julie, mm -hmm. at Tammy. Tammy, Tammy Irving, right? I'm looking Irby. at Irvy. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. And Tammy actually uh, tracks the amount of uh, contacts she makes every day and the mm -hmm. actual amount of money she makes from those contacts. Yes. And well, that's what it gets down to, isn't it? It does. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Profitability. I mean, anyway, that was our weekend experience. So thank you for all of you who <laughs> wished us such yes. a nice Thanksgiving. It certainly was. Julie and I feel very, very blessed to have all of you in our lives. It was a, kind of an interesting milestone. The podcast now has had something like 20 million downloads, which is insane. I mean, there's supposedly like 1.3 or 1.5 million uh, members of National Association of Realtors. Wow. And so to think about how many people listen to us on a regular basis, right? I know. Or even just one time. And uh, to get to 20 million, it's incredible. So thanks to all, well, that and we've been doing it forever. That's true. <laughs> but thanks to all of you who have been supporting us for all these years. And thanks to all of you who have given us such wonderful um, anniversary wishes. All right. So what we're talking about today, Julie Harris, is... Yes, we're talking about secret speaking powers, and I want you all to listen closely. We're gonna, this is going to be a multi-part series, so we'll do a little bit at a time. But here's the question. Do people want to listen to you? That's, <laughs> that's kind of an introspective thing, isn't it? And how do you know? I mean, you can interview people. You can ask your friends, but it gets down to that because if people don't want to listen to you, it affects you in so many ways. The most important tool you have in real estate and in life is your voice. Build good habits and delete the old ones that are likely holding you back from success. So your voice affects everything you do, not just in real estate, but in life. So it just makes sense that you'd polish your skills and reap the benefits of your hard work. We were talking about that with Jordan a second ago. Sometimes just changing your tonality, your pace, or even just a single word makes all the difference. And Plato said, quote, wise men speak because they have something to say, fools because they have to say something. Hmm. I think that's an interesting short little quote there. So how do your listeners, and your listeners could be your family, it could be a past client call, it could be when you're negotiating, it could be when you're out and about trying to build your center of influence and using Ford, but how do your listeners actually perceive you? How would you rate your own conversations? Does your family respond differently than your best friend? Well, how does that compare to your conversations with, say, your past clients, your centers of influence? Do you embrace meetings or do you dread them? What kind of results are you getting in real estate and in life? You see how it affects pretty much everything, right? So if you fear the phone, the live presentation, negotiating, or anything else requiring good conversation skills, this is where you need to do the work. So I, I was, of course, looking up and doing my research, and there's a gentleman named Julian Treasure. He's the author of the books How to Be Heard and Sound in Business. He has five TED Talks that have been watched more than 100 million times, 
how to speak so that people want to listen is in the top 10 TED Talks of all time. So I think he has some good things to say. And we're not going to go through everything. I just pulled out some of the salient points so that we can apply those. And he well, talks. Let me yeah. ask you a question, though, sure. before you proceed, because yep. you probably thought about this when you're putting this together. Yep. How would somebody know that they have a communication, a verbal communication deficit? How would they know and self-identify mm -hmm. that they have something that's working against them? I think if you have a meeting coming up, meeting could be, you know, talking to a client. It could be meeting with your kid's teacher. could be anything. And you feel nervous because you feel a fear of not knowing what to say, how to say it, how you're going to be perceived. So that's a skills-based thing. Mm -hmm. It but is. Are, are, so as we move forward with this, because this is new content for me too, listeners, are we going to get into the nuanced things like the upswings and things like that? Are we yes. going to be getting – okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to shut up and listen. Yeah. We'll work that direction <laughs> because there are a lot of, a lot of uh, I call them voice foibles, mm -hmm. like when you go up at the end of the sentence and it sounds like a question even though it's not really a question. That makes you sound less confident because it's subconsciously – it's a question tonality, right? Um, so we'll talk more about that, but I'm glad that you brought it up because they, they, this is something to study. Your voice really is an instrument. Absolutely. And you've got to learn to use it. So uh, let's get into this a little bit. Uh, Julian, the person I just mentioned that has a TED Talks, he talks about the seven deadly sins of speaking. How many are you committing? Which ones have you intuitively pruned from your presentation style? And, you know, it you can make it about yourself and be introspective, as we all should. But you can also maybe think of some examples in your mind as we're going through this of people that, you know, we'll talk about the deadly sins and you might say, oh, yeah, I have so-and-so. Gosh, they drive me crazy because they say that, right? So number one is gossip. What is gossip? It's speaking ill of someone who's not present. The message you're sending the listener is that in 10 minutes from now, you might be gossiping about them. If you'll talk about Max like that, you could talk about me just the same. A bad habit to prune from your conversation. Gossip should not be your currency. So let's hover there. At least about people. You oh, know? for sure. But yeah. gossip is kind of an interesting thing. And here's the fun part when you realize really why you do it. It's, and why you at, why you look for it? It's because it makes you you get a little um, a little uh, chemical release. You sure. get a little. So when you go to somebody with a bit of gossip, you know, imagine yourself now at the verbal you know, at the virtual water cooler, right? And you're starting with, "Have you heard?" Right? Or do you know what's going on? You know, all those little. Uh, I've got something that you don't have. Exactly. The, the you're putting yourself in a position where you have something that they want to have, and that puts you in a, and that makes you feel good, right? And uh, that type of thing, that uh, this dissemination of gossip is something that does give you a little ego boost. Mm -hmm. And it makes you feel more important inside your, your own little tribe, your own little world. And so when you're actually, if you want to know, like monitor how you feel when you hear certain things or you say certain things. Just almost look at yourself like, um, like a dispassionate uh, third eye, basically. And when you feel yourself say something, where, uh, when you hear yourself say something, how does it feel to say it, right? Or when you hear something, how does it feel to hear it? Because if you can realize that your feelings or how you're feeling when you're saying something is a very, uh, I think, um, uh, transparent window into really where you're being motivated, what's motivating you, you'll quickly realize that a lot of the gossip stuff that you are addicted to really is just coming off uh, your ego. And it's very destructive, right. ultimately. Because it gets you attention. Exactly. You're wanting attention. You're wanting but to feel empowered. Temporary. It's temporary. And so what's really happening is people will play along with the gossip all the time. But what they're thinking in their head is, you know what? Tim's a, he, he has gossip as his currency. I better not let him know anything about me or about my situation. And that's not really good for real estate. That's not really good for friendships. 
they might play along gossiping with your currency, right, or talking about somebody else, but in their back of their mind, they're going, boy, don't want to get on that wrong side because he'll tell everybody all my business, right? Now, house value gossip is not the same. Not the same. <laughs> when you hear something selling something, <laughs> you're right. We're talking about people. We're talking about people, not houses. Houses, right, exactly. your your currency in housing is to know what's yeah. going on in the market. Your job not, is to know that skinny. Not to necessarily know why so-and-so are selling. Exactly. And you do have to separate the two. So sin number two is judging. Once your listener has picked up that you're judging them, they cease to listen and are immune to responding to your attempts to you in a positive way, okay, to communicate. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean you have to make it a topic of conversation. Maybe that buyer loves the black cabinets that you just said was the most hideous kitchen you've ever seen in your life. So there's a quote from Benjamin Franklin. He said, remember not only to say the right thing in the right place, but far more difficult still to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. Yeah, well, so that's there's two way, places my mind goes with that. Mm-hmm. If it's something we learned from Rory, right? Uh-huh. Our original oh, yes. original right. broker. If they if they like it, you love it, and if they don't like it, you you still it, love it. You still <laughs> love it. Or no, if you if they don't like it, you uh, if they hate it, you like it. Yes. In other words, you never say anything bad. And um, I, I forget what, we didn't do this, but one of our buyer's agents did, right? Mm-hmm. Walked into a house and had the, oh, I do remember now. So they, it was a buyer that um, we had some kind of uh, connection with, maybe a high school friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we connected that realtor or that buyer with one of our buyer's agents. We had seven buyer's agents when we had our team. And the buyer's agent walked into the house and just couldn't stop talking about how much they hated the wallpaper. Yeah. This person in particular who knew us then messaged Julie and I and said they don't want to work with that particular agent anymore because the agent just couldn't stop talking about the wallpaper. But that was the exact same wallpaper that was on his parents in his parents' kitchen when he was growing up. So that agent just started to talk and talk mm-hmm. and talk and not realizing what they were doing was actually offending the other person receiving information. Mm-hmm. So uh, buyer's agents, those of you guys who are working with buyers, don't say anything. Your job is not to be have an opinion, to be honest with you. That's not what you're being paid to do. Your job is not to have an opinion about the decorating, for example. Now, if, they want, if they're saying, well, how can I remodel this to make this work, and you happen to have that as a skill set, point it out. But don't walk into a house and essentially uh, voice your opinion because it really doesn't matter. They're not working with you for your opinion. They're working you essentially to open the damn door and write the contract. That's right. And, you know, listing agents do this, too. Where they screw it up is they think that their main mission is to go in and start staging it for the seller. Yeah. And they can come off overly negative and talk themselves out of a listing because maybe that seller doesn't have the money to spend on it or doesn't have the time to deal with it. You know, we used to hear all the time, you guys were the only ones who were enthusiastic about our house. And and we took billions of listings just because of that. Right. And yeah, that was it. I, mean, I remember such an easy thing. To- but we lost a listing once mm-hmm. and we lost it to a new agent. And this was back. Uh, it only happened once. And this is where we right. learned the enthusiasm thing. Mm-hmm. And it's after we'd gone on too many listing appointments and the seller was right that we weren't that enthusiastic about the house. Mm-hmm. And we called up afterwards and we didn't get the listing. So why didn't we get the listing? And she said, I'll, I'll never forget it. Actually, it was a he. Mm-hmm. He said it's because, A, the other agent asked for the listing, which mm-hmm. evidently we were tired and we didn't ask for the listing, which yep, dumb mistake, ass. number one. And number two, they didn't seem that we thought that she believed in the house and like, yes, what the I hell is that quote? Yep. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, what she believed in the house was she said, I believe in the house. I'd love to have this listing. Uh, da, 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 da. In other words, she sold him on the belief that she was, and, and she probably was, I'm More not saying, it was, about yeah, it. exactly. Uh-huh. And so we, de- we deserve to lose on that one. So that is true, but I'll tell you where else judging goes. Mm-hmm. And this is something we learned from another one of our early on mentors, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Rosselli. Mm-hmm. 
uh, who was in uh, real estate, who was one of the people that was instrumental in suggesting we get into real estate. Yes. And those of you in Columbus, Ohio, know who I'm talking about, Rosilla Construction. So Jack told us, and this was during one of the, you know, you know, four-year political cycles. And, um, you know, he told us that basically if you ever want to be successful in business, the thing to be, and this was back in the 90s, and I know some of you, especially on the coast, will disagree with this, but just have an open mind to what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. When it comes to politics, be a Republicrat. Now, I I, now yeah. with that said, I do understand, and I did have a very interesting conversation, actually, with someone in our EXP group in our Liber- called Libertas, and she was saying in my marketplace um, that everyone's basically on the uh, one political perspective. Mm-hmm. And she said, if I don't have that political perspective in a fairly overt way, they won't do business with me. And so to that, I say, well, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? I mean, obviously. And she happened to have that same political leaning as well. And so, yeah, I mean, she was being authentic, being that political, being on that side of it. But I'm just saying in most markets, you're going to have a fairly well-balanced, you know, other than some markets on the coast, you're going to have a very well-balanced group of, you know, people that are maybe libertarians or left or right or whatever. So your move, if your job, if your mission is to be of service to many, as many people as you can, right? Your mission is then to be a Republicrat where you don't allow, you don't wave a flag for any one particular yeah. side. Because if you do, if you're in a balanced market, you're going to lose the opportunity to work with 50% of the people, especially since, um, you know, politics has become so tribal. Yes, that's right. So err on the side of being neutral. It's really not relevant to the transaction anyway. Nope. So, you know, and obviously all of these points and these conversational and speaking sins absolutely apply to anything online as well oh for sure online maybe especially online's the worst because people really oftentimes let the the worst versions of themselves basically be at the helm sure well it's easier to fire off a post or a tweet or whatever because nothing immediately comes back at you you're not in person face to face with somebody so you have to be extra careful with all these points online uh let's see we have next number three sin negativity complaining spreading doubt this is what julian treasure calls spreading viral misery. <laughs> I think that that's a good quote. So stay away from the negativity. This just makes your listener want to get away from you as quickly as possible. And they certainly won't come back for more. They won't say that to you. They'll just not call you back. That's so how he, you get ghosted. So we just listened to a podcast mm-hmm. on our six mile walk this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things they were talking about in this podcast, and this podcast is called All In, and you guys should listen to it. It's really, really freaking good. It's, uh, I think, four or five very, very successful, wealthy, um, mostly tech, uh, VC, startup guys. Just one of them, from what I can tell, is a billionaire. And these guys do this podcast like once or twice a week. And I'm totally and completely getting into it. It's called All In. And thank you, Mark Chandra, for telling us about that. So one of the things they were talking about today, and remember the top point number three is negativity, Mm -hmm. is they're talking about social networking. Mm -hmm. They're talking about Facebook in particular. Yes. And so we talked about this on our podcast before. Mm -hmm. Now get this, listeners. There was a there was um, remember this is about negativity. So there was a study that um, Facebook hired. I think it was Stanford Mm -hmm. to do of the effect of creating an Instagram for kids. They were considering coming out, rolling out an Instagram for kids, so they had this study done. Right. So the study basically said, and I'm summarizing it in an inelegant way, but the summary said that basically it's the worst idea ever, and then essentially the kid's mind is not essentially formed to the point where they can really, you know, it's essentially going to be as abusive as a substance as tobacco was. 
or is abusive. Now, my first reaction when I heard them say that was, what are you talking about? Tobacco is something you breathe into your body and that's, you know, it's a choice. Clearly just, a toxin. Right. And then they started saying in this stupid research that Facebook hired to have done, they actually proved that your brain reacts, especially a kid's brain, can be rewired based on uh, external um, inputs from mm -hmm. things like social networking. And they talked about things like the like developmentally negative, developmentally negative, right? They can have, you know, they talked about suicide rates. They talked about all these other things, but they also talked about, and this is something Julie and I talked about years ago on this podcast was that they act Facebook uh, and all the, basically Facebook came with the, you know, the swipe down and the scroll and the whole, so the whole interaction when you have your phone in your hand and you're looking at any of the, you know, social networks, those things are all designed to basically get you to essentially uh, be addicted to what's next. So like you're going to want to scroll down on Instagram and go to the next post, the next post, the next post. And every time you do it, you get this little chemical release in your brain that makes you feel good for the swipe. So you're getting an actual payoff for actually doing the physical activity. At least that's how you're rewiring your brain to actually become, have the same qualities of an addictive substance. And I'm not, you know, I'm just telling you guys what we heard. So don't be firing off, you know, writing crappy reviews because we're talking out of our butts here, not saying what we know. I'm just saying this is what we heard on this podcast. But I thought it was interesting that they're now, and so evidently this uh, Stanford research project that was done about, that, done, uh, that Facebook did trying to determine if they're going to come out with an Instagram for kids, they never published it. And so now there's something going on in, with the FTC, I don't remember what, where they're trying to say that Facebook knowingly has produced a product that's harmful to kids' uh, brains, not so dissimilar that what tobacco did for people, right? What tobacco is, uh, the effects of that, what that's had. Yeah. And the conclusion was basically there should be some sort of age limitations. There should be some Warnings. kind of – Yeah, exactly. But it was, I thought that was fascinating, right? Because what ultimately happens when you're on Facebook or on Instagram? It tracks, they track, because Instagram, Facebook are the same thing, right? What you like, what you dis, what you dislike. what you what, They can track how long you've – did you read a post? Did you open a post? And what it does is that the AI that's tracking all your activity then is going to essentially give you more of whatever you – what you liked. Like, you know, Julie loves French bulldog stuff, right? So if I – Julie doesn't use really Instagram other than to post stuff. But if I were to look at Julie's Instagram or if I were to look at Julie's you know, Facebook – Facebook is full of French. For, exactly. And she doesn't even <laughs> – like she's not seeking that information. The yeah. information is seeking her. That's right. And so if you are on social and you're uh, – you click or pay attention to – uh, stuff that's negative, and usually it's pol political, by the way, mm -hmm. you're then going to be constantly having additional inputs feeding you what you're, what the thing proceeds, perceives that you want to hear more about. I thought it was really fascinating. I'll give you guys a really good and interesting um, example. There was um, a article that came out that was totally fake news. And again, we're not being political. Julie and I are definitely not political, uh, especially on our podcast. But it was about the California recall election of Gavin Newsom. And the, and the article was incredibly well written. You'd think it was legit. That basically was uh, casting dispersions on the actual election and the actual like uh, the, the ballots that were cast. And it said specifically that there were – it's being proven that Republican uh, people that voted for Larry Elder, their votes were somehow not being calculated into the final results and whatever, whatever, whatever. And this article and – I, and I saw that – I saw the article hit um, and I saw all these people starting to pile on. And then somebody said, have you guys ever stopped to realize that this is probably a fake news story? Right. 
But look how quick people were just to pile on all the negative and just mm-hmm. reinforce their confirmation bias that they already had in place. Without even really knowing it. Right. And that's the reason you know? Julie and I are big advocates, though we're just talking yeah. about social now. We're big advocates of being media free. Yeah. You know, because we, the, where does it stop? Like I, I remember seeing, like I'll click on something now and then about an animal, animal rescue story or something. Mm-hmm. And then like two days later, there'll be some horrible story that I wish I never looked at because it thinks that that's what I want. Right. So, or they're sending you that horrible story because in the back end of it, they're going to ask you for money. Right. Because they already know you're, they already know you love animals. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to send you something that's going to piss you off because you love animals. It's going to then make you, and then they're going to say, oh, she read that article about whatever it was. And then now they're going to start piling on more stories like that. So that makes me not want to click on anything in the first place. Yes. So don't. I mean, honestly, the the thing that social networking is really good for is what it was originally designed for, which is actually staying in contact with people. And if you just use it for that, like Julie's got a Facebook page. I just use it for scrapbooking, basically. Yeah, exactly. And and she just, and you know, it's not, it's not public. You can't find it. She has to invite you to be part of it. And and that's right. Family and friends and neighbors. That's how it's supposed to be used. Mm -hmm. But just realize guys, ultimately, you know, point number three is negativity ingest think about what it is how it is that you're supposed that you feel when you read something and remember I was talking about that earlier when you come across something and you feel it you feel anxious you feel stressed you might feel tired you might feel amorous you might feel mm-hmm. right what has happened to your physical psychological physiological state from the information you just read well that's what's interesting because you could easily presume when we're talking about the uh, Instagram for kids or whatever that, yeah, of course, you know, they're, they're going to be affected mentally. But I thought it was very interesting that they've shown physiologically. That's the fascinating that's part. That's the fascinating yeah. thing. And this is, again, and it's also uh, unrepairable once that's happened. And, and so negativity. And this is really, I mean, this is really the heart of what most social networking is. The heart of it, if you look at like um, the top 10 stories on Facebook or the top 10 trending stories on Facebook are always negative. There is never a top a trending story on Facebook or if you know how to get into a, a Google and, and study what people are searching for in the United States. It is never about yeah. uh, happy, good things. Sunshine it's always about – it's exactly. So what is it about humans? Now, here's the thing. I think personally there's a physiological benefit to seeking out negative information. Um, and Julie and I have researched this and talked about on this podcast too. So in other words, being a um, – being a purveyor of negative information in itself has been necessary for humans to become where we are today because, and this is kind of a funny way we heard somebody else explain it, but I yeah. loved it. You remember this one? Mm-hmm. So you and your family, Julie and I and Zoe, right? Mm-hmm. We're walking around in our, our uh, you know, our fur loincloths carrying our bats. Oh, I didn't mention this is like primal Tim and Julie, like, you know, a long time ago. Kate this, Harris. This, this isn't, the, trust me, Puerto Rico's fine. You don't need to, I would, okay. Like, where the hell are you people living? Where, where do you guys live? No. So this this is cave Tim, caveman Tim and Julie, right? And cave girl Zoe, when she's a hell of a lot closer being a cave girl than we are. All right. So anyway, we're walking down this path and we're all about to walk into this uh, forest. And in the forest, out walks, um, you know, somebody, right? A lady carrying a thing of whatever. It doesn't matter. So somebody or somebody's walk out of this forest. We're not, what we are in the survival mode, right? We're looking to get enough food that we can live another day. We're looking to not get eaten by something or mm-hmm. clubbed over the bat head with something that you guys get the point. We're looking to live. We're looking to survive. 
So when we see somebody and we identify them as a friendly or a possible, you know, somebody that we can trust, maybe we know them from our tribe or, our, you know, adjacent village or whatever, we're going to ask them, what the hell is lurking in the woods that you just walked out sure. of? And, and like, did you see any, like, are there any, dumps, there? are there any dumpster fires that we should be avoiding yeah, along exactly. the way? Right. So we're going to ask that question. We're not going to sit around and talk to them about the weather. Right. No. We're not going to just share, you know, friendly platitudes. We're going to, and then, and then that person's going to ask us, what did you pass on your way here? Mm -hmm. And that's the humans. It's a survival mechanism looking for negative information or seeking out things is, is your innate desire to avoid things that might, I mean, figuratively, but you well, know, kill you. The red coats are coming. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, but so, so there is a purpose to it, but what's happened is that purpose, if gone unchecked it absolutely ruins your life because for the most part, there's virtually nothing in your modern life that is going to be lurking in the woods that is going to uh, be something you have to be fearful of. And, you know, that's just something you got you guys got to be thinking about. Yeah. So why is it that you're uh, addicted to the negative? These addicted probably too strong of a word or maybe even too trendy of a word. It's because you're designed to look for negative. That's why. Mm -hmm. So what is the cost of overindulging in negative? It's the same as – and so your brain is physiologically wired to look for negative. It's out of survival. And maybe once you are exchanging information, who knows, right? This is all uh, circadian brain type stuff. But once you've, um, once you've realized what it is, okay, I don't have to fight my negative thoughts. I'm going to release my, you know, this, all this mindset, um, modern woo-woo stuff about negative thoughts. Negative thoughts serve a purpose. That's the reason people have them. But where it gets damaging is when you overindulge. And if you overindulge in anything, obviously there's, generally speaking, that doesn't end well. Does this make sense? It does. It's just gotten so much more, it's so exacerbated because of, you know, the online sources that we have. You can... Right have that instant stimulus that will then attach to something that's going to haunt you and think that that's what you want to hear about all the time. I think that's the damaging part. And so thus you better be media free and watch what you do on social media too. I've got to get on a Zoom. Yes, so so listeners, um, if you would like to hear more about our coaching programs, the coaching program that most of you are going to want to join is called Premier Coaching. And I had someone from our uh, marketing team today yell at me for not actually talking about this enough. He said, and he is absolutely right, that uh, the Premier Coaching Program is the only coaching program in the United States that we know of that gives you a daily semi-private coaching call. It happens every single day, except Saturday and Sunday, where you can log in and you're in direct live interaction, not just with your coach, but also with other people that are also in the program. So you get to hear other people ask their questions and get their answers, but you also then, which is which means if you're like in your formidable years of your real estate business and you're listening to somebody who's been in the business for a while and selling lots of houses, you can learn ahead of time what the problems are you have at that level. But the, all, the other thing is that's nice about it is if you are you know more experienced agent, you might hear a new agent ask a question that maybe you didn't realize that question is relevant because maybe you know things have changed in some other social networking or some sure. other form of media and you haven't been quietly you haven't been in tune with it or whatever right so it's a really cool community building interactive experience and that's the reason we do it that way and you get a live coaching call every single day so make sure you um, when you do join premier coaching do yourself a favor and attend every single day and do yourself a favor and do participate in our private Facebook group that's just for premier members you can get direct uh, instant almost communication, sometimes instant, with all of our coaches, sometimes with Julie and I. That's how we designed this business. Look, we might not ever be the biggest real estate agent coaching program in the world, but we don't really, we don't care. 
We want this to be overwhelming value so that when you guys uh, join our coaching program, honestly, you feel like you've arrived. You feel like you're home. You feel like you're part of something that's going to take you to the next level. That's really what the, um, that's kind of the feel, that is the feeling we hope you you get from our coaching well, program. Well, that's right. And don't forget all of the presentations, the listing presentation, sure. the buyer presentation. Yes, there's a buyer presentation. Sure. Uh, your pre-listing package and all the coaching calls that go with that. We have hundreds of coaching calls by topic. So let's say that you finally have the light bulb go off. You know, I probably ought to be pre-qualifying people and asking some questions. Well, what am I supposed to ask? Well, you look up the script, you type in pre-qualify exactly. on our website, and it gives it to you along you with can, coaching you calls. Can, you can do it on your phone. You're, I mean, you're in a situation where someone, you know, you don't know what to do or how to do it. There's a 20, that we call it 24 hour, a 24 seven coaching on demand where you can just put in your question. And a lot of the questions are sales types questions. And then you'll see that the question's already been answered. And oftentimes not only does it answer your question, but you can listen to one of our coaches answering that question for somebody else or watch a video about it. So that's what we, we wanted this to be an experience. That's not just like walking into a classroom and you walk out. We want this to be an experience that you have where you essentially have Julie and I and our business as your co-pilot as you build your real estate business. That's right. Yeah. I mean, so that's be that, proactive and it, be interactive. It is. Well, that's what we're wanting you to do. So we want you to participate by attending every single day. And for those of you who aren't in the premier coaching program yet, what the heck are you waiting for? You can join for around $100 a month. Just text the word success to 47372. Text the word success to 47372. And when you do, we're going to text you back. You have to text the word yes to saying you want us to text you back. And when you do, then we're going to text you back a link. You're not only going to get access to our coaching program, but you're also then going to get a free um, copy of our recently revised real estate treasure map, which is the fill in the blank business and life plan. All this is waiting for you. It's very simple. Just text the word success to 47372. And another little commercial, for those of you who are ready to join EXP, and I'm getting quite a few of you, which isn't surprising because this is normally the time of year when most people consider changing brokerages, and you're, you're ready to join EXP, but you haven't chosen a sponsor yet, um, we would consider, we would appreciate the opportunity uh, to earn the right to be your sponsor at EXP Realty. Just text me directly at um, 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. And uh, if you'd like, if you're just getting ready to get started thinking about EXP and you don't want to have a direct conversation with me, uh, just text EXP to 47372. Text EXP to 47372 and we'll text you back a link and then you can download, uh, I'm sorry, then you can watch some videos and some other information we put up there and that will also get you on the path. In the meantime, guys, thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the nation. We're going to pick up tomorrow where we left off today. Hopefully you're liking this topic. I am so far. Good idea, Julie. Thanks. <laughs> you guys have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.